listening to CPC Together, a podcast by Central Peninsula Church in the San Francisco Bay Area. Welcome everybody to CPC Together. I am not here with Kevin Sneed today. Kevin is on vacation. Um, he, he is has... having a great time in, in Georgia in July. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that could be a country song. Georgia in July, yeah. Like uh, if you're comparing something that you... I assume Georgia is not pleasant in July. Very humid and hot. I could see Kevin in cut-off shorts and running around barefoot, you know, and just enjoying the humidity. <laughs> so you could you could do this Maybe whole doing thing. Maybe catfish <laughs> fishing. You could do this whole thing about, like, you describe a relationship and all of, like, the chorus describes, like, the, the all the horrible parts of a relationship. And then you say, that's the way it is with you and I. Like Georgia in July. <laughs> Excellent. That's perfect. You got it. Yeah. Glad you're recording that. Yeah. You know, you keep that in your head because that, man, you could write a hit. Um, Dan, in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. where you grew up, was Arby's a nice restaurant or was it, a, um, was it not a nice restaurant? All right. What a weird question for him to ask. So I have to just start out by apologizing because I used the Arby's as used Arby's the, name in vain. The, the brunt of a joke because I was talking about how we can <laughs> fall into things by accident. It's like nobody. I said nobody gets up in the morning planning to go to Arby's for dinner. They just sort of end up there. And uh, I was trying to make a point, but. Uh, I, I know there's people that really like Arby's. I, I guess maybe just say you're, you think of a maybe you're the, the fast food restaurant that you particularly don't like. <laughs> See, this and is what's so great about... I had a bad about, experience with Arby's. This is what's so great about Dan. You care so much. And I don't think it's a people-pleasing thing, Dan. I think it's you really care. You don't want You don't want anyone to feel hurt. I don't. To the point where if you say something bad about someone's favorite fast food restaurant, you really wear it. I can see I know, you feel I know. You feel hurt I, deep I'm in your soul. I'm thinking about a, a 16-year-old <laughs> kid that heard that and worked at Arby's and he's trying to, you know, get you know, get ready for college. He's trying to save money and he's making minimum wage at Arby's and I just, you know, slammed his place of employment. Arby's has this this one sandwich. We always talk about food on this podcast. In fact, one of our listeners has never tried a chicken nugget. No. And so they called me and said, can I take you to lunch and buy you chicken nuggets and we can, I can try my first chicken nugget. The only challenge is I'm really trying to clean up my game. Eating-wise, I've been working out, and I really feel it when I eat bad. And I've also hired a nutritionist. You have? So why, now why? on big time. On Thursday is when I'm having McDonald's chicken nuggets, and I look at my calendar to see what else is that day. It's a nutritionist. So I have to go to the nutritionist, stand on a scale, and say, so how's your diet been? And well, I just ate chicken nuggets. Anyway, all I have to say, Dan, I'm not offended by your comments, but I do love the beef and cheddar. The thing that ruins the beef and cheddar. (laughs) Okay, you stop judging me. The thing that ruins the beef and cheddar is not... The thing that they call cheese, which is definitely not cheese. It's not the roast beef that's weirdly thinly sliced. It's the, this weird, they call it red ranch. But if you just order it without the red ranch, Dan, it's, an, it's a great sandwich. Just imagine a jelly-filled donut, except the jelly is cheese. Oh. And, the, 
And the donut is roast beef. Oh, <laughs> oh. oh my. Yeah, I'm, I'm, anyway. I don't, I don't feel well. <laughs> how, um, how do you know so much about Arby's? Arby's was was like the fancy restaurant in Iowa. One of them. Oh, okay. Pizza Hut was the other one. Okay. I worked at Pizza Hut. I was a server there. Wow, good for you. But my yeah, town that's was a big job. You know, like you know, the Midwest towns. Like yeah. my town was like thirty five hundred people. Sure. And then we had a college there when college was in session. It was like five thousand people, and we didn't we didn't have anything else. We didn't actually have an Arby's. But I would always see the commercials back then. Same, 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 same. Arby's is different. Do you remember that? No, I sure don't. <laughs> you had you had to have a Dairy Queen, right? Yeah. yeah. No, we totally had a DQ. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Subway, of course. Yeah. How yeah. did you know? It's well, just like you've I, seen I came my from town. The Midwest. <laughs> yeah, and then we had Hardee's. Oh yeah, which is yeah. was bought by Carl's Jr. Right, right. Um, but that was our that was our thing. That was all. It's pretty much all we all we had in <laughs> Iowa. A, a lot of pizza shops too, I guess. Anyway. Um, so I really like how you framed your whole message uh, on uh, this this German quote um, that you had. What, what was the actual the language of it? I do not speak German, so again, forgive me if I butcher this, but Arbeit mach frei uh, was the phrase that was on the gates of the concentration camps. And it, mean, it means work makes free. You know, was there... Their deception, their way of keeping people in line mm. uh, to accomplish what they wanted to accomplish, with no intention of ever, ever setting anyone free. And yeah, and I think that just really speaks into our culture in terms of how we find freedom. Is that we 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 work at something, uh, and I don't just mean vocationally. I mean uh, our good works. That's all over the scriptures in terms of how that's. Uh, uh, contrary to the gospel, and uh, we we seek to to work and earn and uh, justify ourselves, and in in some ways, it's a way of uh, instead of submitting to God, it's being our own God hmm. that we can we can arrive and reach that state of uh, uh, of of all there is in the universe by by working. So, so it's sort of like the big fallacy of of what you said every other religion is that you can work your way to salvation you can work your way to whatever the yeah. your end destination Nirvana. is yeah yeah and that's really what separates christianity from a lot of yeah. those other religions is yeah. jesus comes and sort of flips the whole thing on its head that's right and we don't get it. it it doesn't it doesn't what comes naturally is working for it is earning it you know, I, I got to justify myself. I, I'm, I'm, I've, I've got these negative things I think and do, and I've got to outweigh it uh, with the good things. And uh, we—that's why—that's that's why we should sp- our, our lives as Christians. And I, that's one of the things I I most love is I've been a Christian for a lot of years now. I can always learn more about grace. There's always another facet of it that I can gain uh, insight into who our Lord is. It's just a multifaceted thing. And it's, uh, it's just infinite. The amount we can learn about how different he is from every other system that's been put in place by man or corrupted by man. Yeah. It's weird to think about like when I think about 
the older you get, the more the more you realize you need grace. So the more you learn about it. But I also think about like when you start life, like my little girl Charlie, who's seven. She doesn't. I don't think she knows she needs grace. <laughs> yeah, I mean she she'll do bad stuff sometimes and ask for forgiveness and say sorry and that kind of thing. Yeah. But I don't think that like she has a super strong awareness of that. And the older you get and the more you live life, ideally, if you're self-aware, the more you realize, Oh man, I need this. So you have to kind of learn it more. And yeah, there's a whole, (laughs) there's like a whole timeline of, of how grace sort of shifts along the way. But Jesus comes and he exposes religion for what it is and says, I do things differently. And he uses Levi as sort of another example. He used the leper before, coming close to people that would be considered outcasts or putrid or, you know, you know, disgusting or whatever. And Jesus continually draws close. So this is number two. No, this is number three. So there's the leper, the paralytic man, and then, and then, and then this Levi. Levi. So I got it. I have to confess, Dan, Mm -hmm. that like I've been in the church world for a long time. Dad's pastor. I've gone to, uh, I've been educated in like theology and that kind of stuff. I did not, I, I haven't gotten here with Levi and Matthew. I did not know the, that they are, a lot of scholars think that they're the same person. I must have fallen asleep that day. <laughs> did you go to Bible school? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah maybe it, you were absent that day. <laughs> <laughs> but Levi here, he opens a tax franchise. I love the way that you like paint the picture here. And people, he can tax people for anything. anything. Just how many legs just, their donkey has. As I dove into that deeper, it was just amazing to me. And it just people have the same reactions today, you know, to uh, what they think is unfair uh, that they had back then. And but this is like a new, you know, like I, I, some people compare it to the IRS. This tax collecting back then, it was a completely different game. I mean, like you said, if you're if you're a tax collector you're considered a traitor right yeah. by the government uh if if you are are you called on to give an account in court if you're a tax collector you can't your account means nothing in a jewish court of law they would say <laughs> you're not honest your 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 witness is not credible i mean so this guy is just hated but yet jesus jesus draws near to him which is i think one of the most I don't know. It's just so cool to see Jesus doing this over and over and over again. Yeah, he calls him. He goes to him, you know, and he, you know, uh, as far as uh, he, all his Jewish peers, they would look at Levi and say, "You're you're you're a leper. You're an outcast. We're gonna walk on the other side of the street." And he goes right up to him out of the whole crowd and says, "Follow me." And he gets up and follows. I think one of the interesting things too is what he gave up. I mean, he really burned his bridges when he got up. So you knew something was going on in him that wasn't right. Mm. That he knew, you know, he 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 needed to make a change. I mean, what are the basic needs that we all have? It's 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 to be loved and uh, accepted and have a, a a purpose beyond ourselves, you know and he obviously didn't have those those uh, basic needs met, and he saw in Jesus something entirely different. So yeah, he he followed him, and then uh, celebrated, wanted to celebrate what had happened, and so he threw a party, and he was a good 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 at throwing parties. So before we go to the party, yeah, 
I think I think you kind of floated this idea, and I I just want to I want to come back to it really quick. Yeah, like, how often do people really change sides? Like, <laughs> how often do they really just go in the opposite direction? I mean, especially in our world right now. Like, if you look at social media, someone has yeah. an opinion. If someone gets on social media to share their opinion, I I, I literally have never seen someone say, "You know what? That's a good point." I'm changing my mind. <laughs> yeah. Never seen it. I've been totally wrong my whole life. And, yeah. yeah. And you just changed my mind. People go on there with, like, they want to fortify their reasoning. They want to they want to stay where they're at. And so the idea that someone, I feel like we can take a lot of encouragement in this. Because all of us have people in our lives that we, yeah. that we say nev- that just could never, they would just never follow Jesus. They would never turn towards Jesus. And I, I wonder how many people would have looked at Levi back then and said, not that guy. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm going to spend my time with someone else because that guy, there's no chance that he's going to, you know, follow Jesus. I mean, would you say it's reasonable to to pull that out of out of this text, Dan, that like, we can have hope that like, it's not us who changes it, but that if they truly encounter Jesus, if they truly encounter like the Holy Spirit, there's an opportunity to turn. There is, and um, you know, don't we all in ministry, you know, wish we saw more of this? But we are encouraged when we hear examples. When you hear testimonies later from people who said, when they were asked, "Well, what what really?" brought you to Christ. I mean, you know it was the Holy Spirit working in you, but what did you see? What were you feeling? He said, you know, I'd, I'd hear, you know, I'm thinking of one recently that I heard of. Well, uh, somebody loved me right where I was. Mm. There was a there was a degree of hospitality there that I never felt. I, I, I like what you said. We should be encouraged by what we see in Levi, and we should be encouraged by any faith stories, because uh, it's saying no one is beyond hope. And uh, all of us have loved ones that we think, man, I just got just a, just a tiny bit of hope here because mm. it's just never. I've been praying and praying for for decades and not seeing any change. But he, and I think this is telling us don't ever don't ever give up hope. And uh, we actually only God knows what's really going on in their heart. And so uh, we we just got to trust Him. And uh, there's something about something so noble about persevering prayers, mm. you know, in our testimony. And uh, and this is Jesus. He he just he just Levi must have heard the message. He was teaching. He was preaching the gospel. He knew things weren't right. And then the fact that this 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 rabbi came up to him and singled him out. Yeah. Said, "You're worthy. Wow. You're worthy. Everybody's worthy. You of, of all people here probably feel the least worthy. And mm. I'm I'm coming to you. That's who he's. That's who he's drawn towards. One of the one of the coolest things about being a pastor and getting to work in ministry is I feel like we get to see these stories kind of up up close, and we're, we're trying to figure out ways to share these stories more. But I, I feel like every week, now maybe more than ever, every week I'm hearing people that just kind of wander in here, and they say stuff like, you know, like I, like I just I felt like I needed to come here today. You know, and you 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 get the sense that yeah. God has had them on a journey, 
and just like probably he had Levi and Levi, he'd probably been working on Levi, like you said, for a while. And maybe he'd heard some of Jesus' sermons and you never know what they're picking up. But then one day they come and they say, I'm going to try to experience this. So he, he's blown away by Jesus, makes a full 180, starts moving towards Jesus, says, you know what I do? I throw parties. I'm going to do that. I don't know. I don't know if I know people that would normally hang out with Jesus, but I'm going to bring all of my friends. I'm going to bring my circle of influence, which is a bunch of tax collectors, a bunch of ne'er-do-wells, and they're here, and they throw this party. I, I, I love the visual of Matthew probably had a very big house. He was probably very wealthy, or Levi. He, he was very wealthy. And uh, and then these these religious leaders would lurk around on the outside and, and, and happen to notice that Jesus and his disciples were in there. And so, but they wouldn't go in. They're not going to participate because they wouldn't associate with the unclean. Mm. Yeah. And I, I remember looking at it literally, the, those that were there were, were considered the dirt. They were considered the dirt, those who were in that, uh, in that party. Matthew, wow. you know, Levi's friends. So Jesus yeah. changes this whole question that you talk about at the beginning this that you know basically if we can be good enough we'll set ourselves free so he changes the question to not are you good enough you said it's really it flips the question to are you bad enough yeah um like is this is so is this like a commentary on like is he basically saying no one is good enough or does it does he want us to be bad like explain this a little bit more sure sure <laughs> it does sound like a compelling title to a netflix are you bad enough yeah are you yeah. bad enough <laughs> hey have you watched the latest episode of are you bad enough <laughs> <laughs> no the idea is uh he he looks he, he he's the physician who goes to those who are sick and he's saying it's the people that realize that they are in need it's mm. people that realize that uh, they're sinners, and that they need a savior that they can't save themselves. So, if you're if you're thinking you're good, then uh, you don't need what Jesus offers. I think is the whole is the whole point here. Are you are and are you desperate enough? To, we see in the Gospels this sense of, you know, uh, Jesus, I'm a sinner. You know, and they're crying out to him because uh, in light of who they are, they see who he is, and they know they need him. Hmm. So. It's when I say it's it's a it's a you know it's a it's a it's a bit of a of a you know a phrase you know kind of springing off this idea. Well, are you bad enough? Meaning, do you realize your need? Hmm. You know that Jesus can meet your need, but you got to know you'd have a need. You know, he didn't come for those who think they're well. He came for those who who know they're sick. Yeah, I mean, trying to help someone that doesn't want to be helped, like that's. It's kind of like codependent, right? I mean, I, I mean, it kind of makes sense. Like, I I think about my own life and you know moments when you know people would try to come up and get my attention and be like, "Hey, Brandon," you know, kind of slap me upside the head. You're missing it. You know, you're messing up or whatever. And there's no amount of that that gets through to a stubborn person like me hmm. until I'm ready. Mm. Until I say, okay, I know I messed up. I know I'm broken. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's a there's a piece like you can't really ever be repentant until you acknowledge that you're broken. Right? That's like yeah. what repentance part of what yeah. repentance is. Yeah. 
And so it sounds like the people that were complaining, you know, at the at the party were saying how 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 could he hang out with these unclean people? Didn't weren't really self aware of how broken they were. I mean, is that a safe assumption? I think it's a safe assumption. I think uh, they 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 saw themselves as hey, you know, we're we're Pharisees. We're we're following the the law just as we're supposed to, and uh, you know, we're we're good. They're not. We're we're good. We're we're there. They need to be where we're at, you know, in order to be accepted. I think there's something else here that uh, I think is important to understand, and that's that's that notion of uh, as a Pharisee. If we're going to identify, I mean, we can, I think we can go through these sermons and these in this gospel, and we can say, you know, oh yeah, Pharisees bad, you know, Jesus good, and we just see it. We don't want to be a Pharisee. Yeah, that's we like the follow story Jesus. we've been hearing since Sunday school. Yeah, yeah don't be a right. Pharisee. Don't be a Pharisee. And then we have to ask, I think, as we probe deep, is is there are there any ways that I am a Pharisee, mm. and how if I if I don't ever view myself as a Pharisee because I can just automatically just write them off as these, these robed religious sour, you know, dour people. Mm. You know, I, I can't really, that's not me. I'm not that. But is there something in us that is Pharisaical that uh, Jesus wants us to explore in our own hearts that are that's hindering our spiritual growth until we address that? Can I tell you a story and you tell me if I was a Pharisee? Oh, guy, that's putting me in a Okay, I'll try. I'm, I'm, I'll try to humbly answer that. I want the. I want. I'm asking for it, so you okay. can just okay slap me upside the All head right. with it. So I remember years ago. This was probably 16 years ago. I had this experience where I was. I was trying to. I was trying to encounter God. I just wanted. I wanted to encounter God. And I was so mad about some situation that was in my life. And I decided that I would go on a run and I was going to either hear from God or I was going to be done believing in God. And I went on this run and I hadn't eaten anything. And like, I decided I was going to run to my parents' house from where I was living in Willow Glen in San Jose, all the way to like Cambrian district. In my mind, it was just a couple of miles, no big deal. It ended up, I looked it up on a map later. It was like, you know, 10 miles. <laughs> okay. So I get like five miles in totally like no nutrients in my system, completely out of gas. Like I almost collapse in this like walkway. Now I'm five miles from any location. And this is before the days of Uber and all that kind of stuff. No taxis in that area. So I'm walking five miles and I have this amazing experience when I'm walking. I just feel like I just felt the presence of God. Like I felt like I encountered the Holy Spirit and and what and the reason I felt like that is because he started I started thinking about things that and dealing with things that were not in my head mm. I, the problems that I was having these weren't the problems that God was yeah. bringing to my brain yeah. and I just had this incredible incredible encounter and so now in my head what's the recipe for encountering the Holy Spirit you have to go you have to you have to make sure that you don't eat enough and then you go on a run <laughs> endlessly until you collapse and you're, you're at the end of yourself physically. So I go around to like every friend, you know, I'm excitable, Dan. So like when I, when I believe in something, I just go out. So I go to like every friend and I start telling them like, you need to encounter the Holy Spirit. You clearly haven't encountered the Holy Spirit. I can tell by the way you're talking that you haven't encountered God. 
you need to go on a run. <laughs> These people are like, what? No, there's there's lots of ways to encounter. No, no, this is the way you got to go. And I started going around to like all my friends. And finally, one of them was like, hey, man, like, let me encounter God my own way and shut up. And I was so offended. Was I being pharisaical? You know, <laughs> uh, boy, this is hard for me to say, Brandon. I just love you so much. And I... <laughs> respect and you know i i love your story uh and the fact that god brought it to your mind it probably i don't even need to say anything to it because uh you, you, there was there was a twinge of of legalism that, yeah. that came out there and i think what that is is that you experience something and you experience a, a particular uh method uh, uh an action what you did uh you know god spoke to you you're 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 confident that he did. So now you have everybody has to do that method in order to have an encounter with God. Yeah. Well, we're all wired differently, you know. Uh, I I probably want to you you, I, you ran five. I'd want to run ten. <laughs> <laughs> no, we we are we are wired differently, and uh, you have natural ways that you encounter God. And I see that real comfortable chair sitting next to you there. That you know, uh, and I and I think that's. That's the way I do. You know, I'd sit in a comfortable chair with a cup of coffee in my Bible, and that seems to be the time where he, where I encounter. But uh, it doesn't make your run less important or my sitting in a chair, a comfortable chair, less important. We find our way. Uh, something that uh, I came across, uh, a phrase somebody said and as I was preparing for this sermon is, you know, don't let your tool become a rule. Mm, and I think uh, that's good. maybe your... Friends the country song. Feeling, <laughs> maybe your friends were uh, feeling like you were you were passing on a rule when it was simply a tool that you used, and I think that's what the Pharisees were doing. They had their rules, and uh, they started out probably with the best of intentions that they were just good tools for encountering God, and they were good applications of of how to apply this Old Testament that they loved much, and they wanted to they wanted to be obedient to it. Yeah, okay, so, I got it. So yeah. it's. Don't be so tense, cause this ain't school. Don't make your tool become a rule. <laughs> I think it's great. That's that two good. songs. You got two songs. Dan, there's something about you that makes me want to write country songs. Oh. <laughs> like old Hank Williams, George Jones types country songs. Um, but back to what you were saying. <laughs> I think yeah. Well, I'm just I, I I'm glad you did. I, I that feel I feel more comfortable with that if you were to say it makes me want to write hip hop songs. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, this yeah, but I think this idea that we might become an accidental Pharisee that, that that these come they don't necessarily always come from a bad place. Exactly. Um and 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 really that was a convicting thing, Dan, that you said because, like you said, most of us hear Pharisee and we we don't none of us are like oh yeah Pharisee. Um, that's, that's who I am. I resonate with that. Like we don't, you know, but in reality, like it's easy to go there. You know, if, if we let, if we try to put our spin on things or our control on things, um, and we try to make the gospel something that Jesus never made it to be, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're running the risk. So you kind of leave us, um, I don't know. There's kind of two things that I'm, I'm pulling out of this, Dan. And one of them is, you kind of hit me smack in the face with this. Um, what is the? What is your story? I think you said what is? How much of your story is time spent with sinners? Yeah. Um, 
and I put sinners in quotations because we all are right. sinners, but people that that maybe you wouldn't find at a, at, mm-hmm. at a church, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's a really, I think that's a really valuable, like uh, if you're listening to this and, and you're, you're feeling shameful about it, that's not the point of this. Um, I think it's time to assess where are you on this spectrum and seeing like if you're a Jesus follower, now you've seen in Mark three examples of Jesus going after the people that no one else is going after. Jesus is going after the people that that um, that society would say those people are not worth going after, mm-hmm. um, and it makes me think of this this idea. Um, I wrote down in the notes like, "Pay attention to what offends you," and I remember reading. I can't remember the author, Dan, but I remember reading this guy that talked about disgust and how when it comes to relationships, um, that's not something that was on Jesus's radar. And how disgust is is maybe one of the most damaging, um, I don't know if it's an emotion or whatever, that we could apply to another human being. Um, And that Jesus didn't apply that to people. Jesus was there in the dirt, in in the lowest of lows, in the hardest times, um, with the people that society would say, I'm disgusted by you. And so I just started thinking, like, maybe a question that we could all ask ourselves is, is um, what is offending you? And certainly there, there are some ways that are okay to be offended, that are natural and that are good. You know, we, want to, we don't want to just be okay with everything in the world. But are you disgusted with people? Mm-hmm. There's um, a big difference with being yeah. offended by behaviors and being disgusted with people. And I, I, I want all of us, I, I think, you know, I, I've been a, a, a Christian for a lot of years, and uh, I never, one of the things I love about the length of time I've been a Christian and been alive is I always can learn something, always. And, and being a pastor, I, I'm, I'm privileged to be able to uh, open God's Word and find new things. It's just, I get to do that, you know, during the day. You know, uh, and and so I don't want us to uh, be shamed about our past and you know our lack of connection with non-believers. I just want us to see this. We're we're on a journey. Mm. It's, it, uh, spiritual formation is a journey, and so uh, God's just meeting us where we're at here because He sees us as worthy. He doesn't see us as disgusting. He sees us as worthy. Mm. He's going to meet us where we are. And uh, he's just saying, "No, this is my way. Follow me. Follow. Do, do what I do. What I do. Emulate me." And what do we see? Uh, it's an. It was very offensive in that day. He was a friend of sinners, and uh, we're called to be friends of sinners. And that's showing hospitality. It's showing a an acceptance of them, a value, a dignity. I see you as one created in the image of God, and um, I I think this is just a good check for all of us because. We we write off a person by what we what we hear them say, how they interact on social mm. media, you know, what they maybe uh, do to a friend of ours, and uh, and just got got to remember that you know no that that's not what our Lord did, and and I think to avoid that Pharisaical attitude, it it, it this might be an oversimplification of it. Uh, there's probably a lot more to this, but follow Jesus, mm. you know. Follow the gospel. Recognize that in the gospel, uh, there was a period of time where, oh, I'm a, I'm a 
Christian now, and somebody preached the gospel to me, the good news, and I accepted that good news, and, and now uh, Jesus is my Savior, and that's all true. But then they, it's like they move beyond the gospel, but we always mm. got to keep going back to the gospel. There's so many facets of, of uh, what the gospel is and what it means and how we think and how we interact with our Lord in terms of uh, what it, how it triggers us to worship, but also how it triggers us to love other people. And so uh, I, we, we should never get beyond, we'll never get beyond the gospel. We've, we're not supposed to. We're supposed to just embrace it. And we have to keep, like you said, we have to keep coming back to it. There's, yeah. a, there's a drift. Yeah. We can call it the Jesus Drift. You know, that's a good band name. The Jesus Drift? Yeah. And if you're drifting kind of away from the center of the gospel, you know, anyway. Yeah. Maybe I won't make that a band name. Dan, I have to, I have to, this could be awkward, but I have to call you out a little bit. Because I have seen, I've seen you display disgust. Oh, really? Towards another human being. And it's when I told you that I ate a beef and and cheddar. (laughs) The way well, that you looked at me, Dan, I felt, I felt like so. I felt like so, just, like nothing. So small, just. <laughs> the, 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 you you thought I wanted to just get out of this office. You did. You could. looked like you wanted to throw up or something. <laughs> um, but so I, so. Well, I'm I'm sorry. I'm I'm apologizing in this. Uh, <laughs> You know, I, I don't. I don't mean to do that. I, I'm sorry. I I didn't mean to offend you. Words, they're yeah. just words. Yeah, Dan. I mean, your actions speak louder. Um. <laughs> uh, but maybe another question that that we could leave people with is, um, because Pharisee, you said, means separated one. Um, where am I separating myself from others, or, as you would say it, maybe more specifically. Where am I looking down at others? Is there any area in your life where you remove yourself from somebody, where you separate yourself from somebody because you look down on them? Yeah. You know, we see, we see that Jesus ate with the, the, the sinners and the tax collectors. And that, that Hebrew word for sinners means inferior. Yeah. And so saw them as the inferior ones. And so... I think the question for all of us is: I think I maybe I think maybe some of us, you know, we, where we are in our walk with the Lord, we we intentionally look at people that are as being inferior, and you know, God needs to, you know, you you, got, you need to open up to God and repent of that. But I think there's a more subtle thing that a lot of us deal with, where we we see ourselves as superior to others, and it's not really intentional. It just it just sort of happens mm. and it comes out. Um, like when I look down on you because you ate that beef and cheese, that roast beef cheddar. and cheese, or, or, or yeah. uh, cheddar, okay, with no red ranch yeah. sauce. Yeah, so I was, I was looking at you as a as an inferior one that I felt like I wanted to separate from. <laughs> uh, so that was intentional. God's yeah, yeah. got to get, <laughs> but uh, I think there's that that accidental Pharisaical uh, expression where uh, we all have our list. You know, um, I think if we sat with our journal or went on a five mile run with no nutrients in us, we would be able to clearly see what that that list looks like. And, um, you know, so we just tried to name a few examples of that and just say, oh, man, that, 
yeah, that 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 could be me. And and I don't. I think the only answer to that is uh, to to uh, go back to the gospel. You know, to go back to the gospel and say, you know, what is how does Jesus view the world? How does he view people? And do, do am I am I viewing it the same way? Am I acting the same way? Am I Am I understanding God's grace in my own life? So therefore, uh, with my, my understanding that, you know, the other part of this passage was this new wine that came into me, you know, that, uh, that, that, that wine can come out. Jesus can come out of me and impact others because he has placed that in me mm. and my heart has been changed. And so um, I should be convicted about those things. I should be convicted about you know, uh, my neighbor who doesn't take care of his yard the way he should. And I, and that do I, do I, am I disgusted at him or do I just see the world the way Jesus is? We're, we're broken people. And that's the way, that's the a way it's manifesting itself in that person's life. So, so how can I be Jesus to, to that person going forward? You know, uh, there'll be, every day is an opportunity. Uh, every day should be an adventure of how do I emulate Jesus? You know who else? Who else should I be emulating? Yeah, yeah, I think there's um, there's also there's also a piece of this where when we're, uh, I mean, that word Pharisee separated one. I mean, it makes it makes so much sense. Like when we're when we're looking down on someone or we're saying that they're inferior to us, like it's really hard to do that to someone that you know. You know, like like Jesus got to know these people. Jesus went and sat down and ate dinner with them. You know, he would go to their house and he would touch them. He would hang out with them. And I think that it's really, I think Sam used a quote a couple weeks ago, you know, that it's hard to hate people close up. And there's an element of this where we have to move closer. So like if there was someone here, Dan, that, that said, you know, I mostly, my, my whole community, Dan is church people. Um, I go to church, I go to Bible study, I go to all my stuff, which is none, none of that is bad. All that's really good. Yeah. But I don't have anybody in my life. I just don't. And it's not that I hate them or anything. I just don't have anyone in my life that that is not for Jesus. What would you say? How, what would, what's my next step? Yeah. Yeah, and it's easy to, it happens a lot. We used to, there's a phrase for it, you know, go for whole Christians, you know, where you, you pop your head out of the hole and you look around and you, and you run over to the next hole and go back in and, and spend the time in the, was another phrase I remember, the Christian ghetto. And, uh, you know, that we're not supposed to live in the Christian ghetto. So it's a habit. We've, we formed that habit. COVID brought on new habits of isolation uh, there's so uh, much less dialogue in my condo complex amongst people than there there was, you know, pre-COVID. We we had you know we had wine and cheese parties you know twice a year, and people got to know each other, and and uh, it's just you know new habits have to be have to be formed. So that's what I would say is look at this as an opportunity for a new habit to form, and I would do something so simple as write down two or three names. And uh, and start praying, mm. and and make one little step to reach out. And uh, if you don't have, you have names. Come up with names. And uh, if if you if you don't naturally come across uh, people that are far from Jesus, it it means you need to change your lifestyle a little bit. 
hmm. maybe get into some club. I know a guy, we got cyclers in our church, a lot of bicyclers, uh, and uh, they have their regular groups they ride with, and uh, they've they've connected, and it's it's not it's not that all the church people gather together to ride their bike. They go out and they got their riding teams that they ride with regularly, and that's where relationships start. You find some find something you're interested in, and uh, that's outside the walls of the church, and we just got to provide margin for that. All of us have to have that margin to be able to engage in yeah. that regard. Yeah. That's great, Dan. That's convicting, yeah. challenging. Thank you so much for the time you spent uh, on this and with us, and um, hopefully this has been helpful to you as you're listening. Um, and uh, if you have any questions, as always, please reach out to us, me or Dan. We'd love to hear from you. Um, and uh, until then, we will talk to you next time. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me, Brandon. All right, see you later. Bye bye.